I have a podcast here that I want to share with you. It's based on a question that was written in to me, and this is going to be a delicate podcast because this is a super sensitive issue for many parents. I want to talk about ADHD in this podcast. The title of the podcast is Being Honest About ADHD. I'll read the question that was sent in to me, and then I'll share the podcast with you. But I just want to caution you to to listen with wisdom, listen with humility, listen slowly if need be. And of course, you can read this podcast if you wish. You can read it as many times as you want to read it. And I do want you to hear what I am saying, and I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. And if you're confused after all of that or frustrated after all of that, then what I want you to do is to come to our website, and I want you to talk to me and talk to our team We have a free community forum that's open to anyone in the world who has access to the Internet. So you're listening to this podcast. You have access to the Internet. And so you can access us, get your username and password, and ask your question specifically about ADHD. Perhaps you have something else that you want to ask. Well, you can do that as well. Our ministry deals with sanctification issues, how we mature and how we grow in Christ's likeness. And there is no question that this ADHD problem is pandemic around the world. And so this is something of interest to you or without question, someone that, that you know. I do want to thank Olga for her donation and her recurring membership. Olga, thank you so much for becoming a member of our ministry. And Matthew, thank you also for becoming a member of our ministry as well. And what I mean by that is that Olga and Matthew are supporting us. And I can never say thank you enough because you are the people that are are making this happen. There is no possible way, humanly speaking, that we can do, that I can do what I do, without a handful of people who believe in what I am doing and they want to underwrite this ministry. And so uh, Matthew and Olga, thank you so much. It not only releases me to do these podcasts and write these articles and write books and do other things on the website, but it releases me to go into local churches and to speak and to share the practicalized gospel with many other people. And that is exactly what I'm doing right now. I am recording this podcast in or on Marco Island, Florida. Marco Island is a little bit south of St. Petersburg on the Gulf Coast. And I'm uh, at Marco Island Presbyterian Church. And I'm, I'm doing a week of meetings, group meetings, individual meetings, couple meetings, all kinds of meetings. But I'm serving this local church, Marco Island, Pre- Marco Island Presbyterian Church on Marco Island, Florida, and Matthew and Olga, you are the ones and the other folks who support us who make this happen. So there's a lot going on here is what I'm saying, and I'm very grateful for those of you who choose to support us as little as $5 a month, and people support more, but you're helping you're helping us reach the world with the practical message of the gospel. And maybe there's nothing more practical that we want to bring biblical wisdom to than this idea of ADHD. I don't know if I introduced myself or not. 
I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. And you can find me in my cyber home at rickthomas.net. Here's the question that was written in to me from the mailbag. Will you write about the differences between the secular view and the biblical view of ADHD and depression? I would like to know if there are ever times when treating with medications are appropriate. I have multiple friends dealing with these issues. Thank you so much for your ministry. It has been helpful and edifying. Before I roll into this in a more extensive way, let me give you a reader warning. What I am addressing here is not the problem that ADHD points to. And so you have a problem in the middle of the room. ADHD is pointing to that problem and it's saying that problem is real. I agree. I am pointing to the problem as well and I am saying that the problem is real. I'm just not looking at the problem through an ADHD lens. And so what I'm dressing here is not the problem that ADHD points to, but how the secular worldview collides with the biblical worldview. Both perspectives say that there is a problem, but how we diagnose the problem and how we offer solutions are antithetical. Nobody's saying the problem doesn't exist. But there are dramatic differences in how we think about the issue called ADHD and how we remedy it. And so you can think about it this way. There is an ADHD man standing in the room looking through a pair of glasses at the problem and he sees everything through an ADHD worldview filter lens. And then there's the biblical guy standing in the same room looking at the same problem but he's looking through biblical eyes, and so he, he sees it differently, and he brings different solutions. This idea of using drugs, we want to be careful, and now I'm going to talk about my biblical counseling community. We want to be careful by having this absolute mandate that nobody can use medications. That's foolish. It's unwise. It's not tenable. Because you use medications. Let me give you a simple illustration. I have used medications for years. I have a box of goodie powders in my bedside drawer, in my office drawer, in the side pocket of my car. Do you know what goodie powders are? Think about an aspirin. Think about three or four aspirins that have been crushed up and, and put in a little piece of paper. Uh, that's what a goodie powder is, is crushed up headache medicine. The maxim is true. The goody people say in their advertisements, I never leave home without them. Well, I never leave home without them because they bring almost instantaneous relief to my aching head. The goody company says there is fast and there is goody fast. I probably do not use my trusty powders more than once or twice a month now, but years ago, I used them nearly every day. Through the process of elimination and lifestyle changes, I've almost figured out the causes of my, uh, uh, the causes of my headaches. I can't eat sweet stuff because that's, that's almost guaranteed that my head's going to explode. If I go without food for more than a day, that can cause a headache. Uh, watching TV with my neck kind of bent 
crooked awkwardly on a pillow that can cause a headache these are three of the most common causes of head pain and if i don't do these things i can go for weeks without dipping into my supply of goodie powders but here's my point i don't take an anti-medication posture i think it's unwise and biblical counselors would be unwise to rule out medication as a solution for all things. I, I do not because this perspective is untenable because they, like you, like me, you use drugs or you have used drugs for whatever's been ailing you. But then if you flip the coin around, many secularists rule out a biblical approach to problems. And I don't do that either. Ruling out a biblical approach to problems is an untenable position because the Lord God Almighty created us and He has final say over how things will be in our lives. You want to think about this idea that there is a fine line between our spiritual selves and our physical selves and that fine line is at a different place for every person god did not create us equally you are different from me i am different from the next person and so there is no straight line that divides everybody the same between their spiritual and physical selves now what this means this worldview about the diversity of people and no fine line between our spiritual and physical selves, or no straight objective line, rather. What this means is that there are medical issues that each person must bring under the scrutiny of God's Word and the wise use of God's common grace through the medical community. You see, I hold both of those things as being true and to be factored into the issue with whatever our problems are. Bring yourself under the scrutiny of God's Word and make wise use of God's common grace through the medical community. There's no reason not to hold both of those things humbly and with wisdom as you're trying to resolve your problems. When I get a headache, I am thankful for the common grace given to the people who invented goodie powders. There is fast! And there is goody fast. And I like goody fast because the truth is I'm a wuss when it comes to pain. And when my head feels like it's going to crack open, I don't, take the, I don't take the posture that you don't take medication. In an ironic way, I have always been a proponent of, of drugs in the early 70s, I smoked marijuana, and I went on quite a few trips through the means of acid. And I'm saying that to make a point, not to endorse. I don't endorse illegal drugs. I think it's unwise to use these types of drugs. But that's not my point. Prescription drugs were not in vogue then. We were coming out of the hippie generation where illegal drugs were plenteous and self-control was virtually non-existent. And the purpose of illegal drugs, here's my point, illegal drugs and prescription drugs have a similar purpose. And that purpose is to bring alteration to a person's mind or body. You see, when we took trips, is what we call them, you take a trip 
through the means of acid. It was for the intended purpose of altering our mental state, usually because we were not content with our normal state. Drugs were our way, illegal drugs were our way of momentarily escaping what we did not like about ourselves, what we didn't like about other people, what we didn't like about the world. You see the similarity there. The use of legal drugs is similar to the use of illegal drugs. A person does not like what is going on with them, so they go to a psychiatrist. They get a diagnosis and a prescription. They then, then receive their medications with the hope that it will alter their current condition to something more acceptable. I am not saying that this process of using legal drugs is necessarily bad or wrong. It is wrong to use illegal drugs, but to use legal drugs because there's a condition that you're trying to change, it doesn't have to be wrong as long as these two conditions are in play. Number one, be honest about what you're doing. Just be honest. You do not like what is happening to you. You want to change it. And so you're thinking about using medication. No problem. I'm like you. I don't like what's happening to me when I get headaches and I think about using medications, and I do. But I'm being honest about what I'm trying to do. Now, the second point, use biblical wisdom about what you are doing and how you think about what you are doing. Now, I'm, go I'm not going to elaborate on point number one. It's straightforward. You don't like what's happening to you. So you seek to change it through the means of meds. You possibly look for other methods too. But the point is you want to change. I get it. I don't fault you necessarily for looking into medication as an answer. As, as an answer. I've done this many times. We live in a remarkable age where we can access this means of modern common grace. But point number two about using biblical wisdom it is imperative that the community of Christ understands what biblical wisdom is. The problem happens when we don't use it and we don't factor in what sin can do for us. There is a doctrine, a teaching of sin. Sin is a reality and sin affects everything. Therefore, we need biblical wisdom because sin is always crouching at the door. It doesn't matter what you do, sin will always be present in our lives. Not until the good Lord comes back to remove the curse will we be free from its darkening effects. Let me give you some illustrations of, of why you want to factor in biblical wisdom because sin is always in play. Take love as an example. Love is good. What do we do with love? We turn it into illicit sex. Eating. Eating is good. What do we do with eating? We turn it into overeating and gluttony. You see my point? Are you hearing my point? We can take anything and turn it into a bad thing. Don't think that you can't, that it's not possible to, to think about this idea of medication and it not be affected by the doctrine of sin and you turn it into a bad thing. That's my point. You want to use biblical wisdom 
as you think about when and how and if you use medication. Communication is excellent, but we tell lies and say unkind things. Money is good, we become greedy. Sleep is good, we use it to escape life. Work is good, but we use work as a means to find our identity and sense of self-worth. Marriage is good, but we refuse to reflect Christ and the church, choosing to indulge what we want selfishly. It doesn't matter what the thing is. If the doctrine of sin is not factored in, we will abuse that thing. Do you think, do you really believe the doctrine of sin affects how you think about and use medications? What is your doctrine of medication? Doctrine means teaching. What is your teaching on medication? You should be able to stand up right now and articulate your teaching, your doctrine on medication. How do you think about it? How do you partake in medication? How do you teach others regarding medication? How does the doctrine of sin influence your doctrine of medication? If you don't have a teaching on medication, then you will set yourself up for potential problems in the future. You could hurt your relationships. You must have a biblical view. You must bring medication under the scrutiny of biblical wisdom. All of these things that I've shared thus far are the preliminary to what I want to go into right now. The title of the podcast is Being Honest About ADHD. I've shared these preliminary thoughts, and now I want to speak honestly about ADHD. Did you know there is no objective diagnosis for the made-up disorder ADHD? The analysis for ADHD is not objective, meaning you can't measure it with a scale or a weight. There is no exact science to this diagnosis. Every psychiatrist knows this, but this is not even the biggest problem with ADHD. The biggest problem is how we came to the place of having such a diagnosis, which is even more alarming when considering how Christians so quickly, without challenge, buy into the ADHD analysis. Do you know how you come up with ADHD? How they came about it? The way ADHD came about is a group of people came up with 18 undesirable behaviors of children. 18 undesirable behaviors, things that they didn't like about children. And if a child presents on at least six of these undesirables, that child was given a label, ADHD. If you presented on six of these, I would imagine I presented on about 12 of them when I was a child. Now, do you find this remarkable? Let me give you a simple process of creating scientific reality. And I put the, the word scientific reality into, into quotation marks because it's not science at all. Here's how you can come up with ADHD label, how you can come up with a disorder. Find 1,000 people, watch them for an agreed amount of time, list their undesirable behaviors. We find 18 of them. Group the unwanted collective behaviors into subgroups and then give each subgroup a label like ADHD, submit it as science, and place it in the DSM-5, and voila, you have a disorder. 
In time, the disorder will become part of common parlance and nobody will question it. This process is what we have with ADHD. It's not science at all. That is not arguable. It is the ability to observe human behavior. It's the ability for you to stand and watch children and determine what is desirable and undesirable. And then the common undesirables were grouped into a contrived diagnosis and they slapped a label called ADHD on it. It's what the secular community did. In a sense, it's what I did in the 70s. I was part of a group of teens who did not like their lives. We chose to use medication, illegal drugs, to alter ourselves into something more preferred. Today, the drugs are not illegal. It's big business. Billions of dollars are transacted each year in the pharmaceutical industry, and parents are happy if, through the experimentation of finding the right drug, there is an alteration of their child's behaviors to something they prefer. I would not necessarily have a problem with this if the Bible was part of the process regarding the diagnosis and the solution. This is where biblical analysis needs to collide and it needs to be part of this process, not just a secular evaluation that is highly subjective. But rarely does anyone involve a biblical worldview in the process. And so what I want to do here is I want to give you six biblical considerations, six things that the secular community will not factor into the process of the diagnosis this is not an exhaustive list, but for brevity's sake, I just want to give you six things that the Bible teaches that could be part of what is going on with the person who has the undesirable behavior in no particular order. Number one, thorn. Did you know that there are times when God can place a thorn in your flesh? Paul teaches this in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul had a propensity to be proud. And so what did the Lord do? I want to bring humility into your life. And so I'm going to give you a condition that you cannot change. And so the Lord gave Paul an unchangeable condition. Sometimes there is no way for you to know if your thorn was given to you by the Lord or if he wants you to remove it. But here's my main point that I want you to consider is how much effort do we put into finding contentment through an unchangeable condition? It is possible that the Lord wants an individual to have a thorn in their flesh to humble them so that they can access something that is otherworldly, which is grace. And that's the second thing I want to mention to you, grace. We cannot gloss over the potential reality of a thorn by jumping too quickly for a medicated solution. No matter what we're going through, there is grace to go through our struggles. Is the person with the undesirable condition accessing the grace of God? I am not suggesting that you do nothing. I am appealing for you to heartily pursue God in addition to seeking an end to your suffering. To not pursue God as a means to find hope through our trouble is an insult to the Almighty. 
There are at least six things the secular community will not factor into the diagnosis and the solution for ADHD. One is a thorn. Two is grace. Three is imperfection. You see, there's no doubt that we are uncomfortable with our flaws, the things that are wrong with us. Since Adam, no other human other than Jesus has been comfortable in his own skin, feeling a little bit awkward inside. We are a sad and broken bunch. Any wrinkle in our humanity, no matter how small it may be, disrupts our shalom. It disrupts the peace that we want. Being weak, not having a competitive edge, some other kind of imperfection, these things are labeled anathema to the human psyche. Our Adamic worldview our Adamic condition motivates us to strive for godlikeness, which is measured by perfection. Could it be that God wants you to be imperfect? It's another spin on this idea of having a thorn. And so the Lord could give you a thorn. It has to be factored in. God provides grace for this. You have to factor that in. God will not make us perfect. The fall of Adam guarantees that. Number four is self-reliance. Tied to the worldview of perfectionism is self-reliance. We want to conquer and we will seek nearly any means to come out on top, to win, to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. This temptation is the competitive edge mindset that we all possess. The opposite of self-reliance is to be weak to be inferior, a condition our egos will not allow. If our children or if we do not have the advantages of others, we are considered to have a disorder. You want to guard against this idea of relying on yourself, being self-reliant. Number five is parental shame. In connection with these temptations, of disliking imperfection, not applying the grace of God to your life, trying to be self-reliant, tied to these temptations is the parent's ego regarding their children. You know you have an ego regarding your children. We don't want underachieving children. Any child who cannot be the image we constructed in our minds, well, they must have a disorder. I'm talking about parental shame here, being ashamed of your children for how they are. This child needs medication so he can be on the same rung of the ladder as the other kids. I mean, after all, our children are a reflection of us. And if they do not succeed according to a presumed cultural standard, well, obviously he needs medical assistance. Have you factored in parental shame into this solution? And then finally, the sixth one are the educational gods. This self-reliance temptation is particularly acute among the educational gods who have duped the Christian public into believing the most important thing for their child is the college they attend as though higher education is the portal to greatness. If you define true greatness by something other than Christ-like character, you will succumb to the temptation of medicating your children so they will become the top level of social acceptance. 
These are just six things that the secular community will not factor into the process as they analyze their children. A thorn in the flesh, grace for this. Maybe the Lord made him imperfect on purpose. Self-reliance, trying to rely on yourself rather than the Lord. Parental shame. And number six, the education gods. I have used illegal drugs. I have used legal drugs. I am not against the legal and proper use of drugs. What I am against is groupthink that does not embrace a biblical worldview. I have given you biblical points to consider when thinking about the use of medication. I have also criticized the abuse and misuse of medication as it pertains to the unbiblical analysis and the unscientific approach to a child's behavior. Our culture does not know how to view human behavior through a biblical lens because they reject God. How could they? It is not within their wheelhouse to think about the human condition from the Bible's view. Thinking about people is a grade level above them because of their overt rejection of God. But the sad news is when the Christian community throws the Bible out with the analysis this reaction should alarm any Christian. I have more here to this podcast. The title of the podcast and the article is Being Honest About ADHD. The question writer also asks about depression. I have a few paragraphs here. You're welcome to read them if you wish. And then I have some things for your consideration. Ten tips before you jump on the med wagon. And so you can read these 10 tips before you jump on the med wagon. And then as always, if you want to talk to me about this article or anything else on our website, please come to rickthomas.net. Get on our free community forums. Supporting members, jump on our private forums. We'll be waiting on you to answer your questions. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.